Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Christy Ivory with Come Follow Me. I kind of jumped on the bandwagon with this podcast a little bit late. Um, I am studying the Book of Mormon along with the Come Follow Me program for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is a beautiful program, and I believe an inspired program. Um, There are still many out there that do not know what the Book of Mormon is, and so I'm going to reiterate what I've already said in past episodes just so I can get the word out there. But there are many that still don't know that the Book of Mormon is an ancient record of the people that lived in ancient America. There is a timeline in the Book of Mormon. It goes back to about four, um, 600 years before Christ, and then it goes to about 400 years after his death. And so this is a timeline that you can go off of as you study and read. You can also study and read the Bible along with it, and you can see how these two records together testify of Christ. They support each other. It's, a, it's amazing. It's incredible. You can cross-reference from the Bible to the Book of Mormon, and it just brings insight and clarity. Because the Bible, being the record of the old world, the Book of Mormon is a record of the new world. And it centers around a chapter in the Book of Mormon where Jesus Christ appears to the people in the American continent. And this account is talked about in the Bible when Jesus talks about, I have other sheep who are not of this fold. Them shall I also see, and they shall hear my voice, and we shall be one fold and one shepherd. If I messed that up and I paraphrase that wrong, I apologize. It actually just came to my mind to, to bring that up. But with the two records intertwined, it supports the knowledge that we have of Christ and it further testifies of him being the son of God and the redeemer of the world. So that's really what the Book of Mormon is about. It is to verify the Bible and to give further light and knowledge to the scriptures. And if you have not prayed about the Book of Mormon, I strongly suggest that you make it a matter of prayer because that's something that you're not able to tell somebody, just take my word for. It's important that you study it out in your mind and you go to heavenly father with with a question to know if this is a truly a record because if it is look how much more you have to gain and clearly it was written for our day as you read it you can definitely see the amazing power that it has and the likeness it has to our day And we've always been told to liken the scriptures unto ourselves. Liken meaning apply yourself, apply your situation into the time of these people. And you can just get so much out of it. And I am just blown away by the parallels in um, the book of Helaman that we're studying right now. 
and the parallels it has to our day, currently in our day. We are studying the wars and contentions among the people, and it is just as plain as day that we struggle with the same things that they struggled with too. And as we've always been told, history can repeat itself. So I have had so many just aha moments as I've studied the Book of Mormon this year. And I feel like the Come Follow Me program through the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is truly given to us to help lead us along this path um, so that we're not left in the dark. So we know what to prepare for and possibly what to expect. It's just very insightful. So I encourage you to gain your own testament and testimony of the things that you read. Um, I was going to go ahead and talk about the book of Helaman, chapters 1 through 6. At this time, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this since I talked about the Book of Mormon a little longer than I thought I would. But I do want to touch on, in the Book of Helaman, Pahoran was the chief judge, the chief governor over the land. He had many sons, and his sons... You know, three of them wanted the judgment seat. Three of them wanted to be governor. And so the land was split up into three chunks. They all wanted to follow who they wanted to follow. And one of the brothers, his name was Pakumani. I think he must have been one of the brothers that was just like, okay, you know, I can see how I'm not going to get this vote. So I'll just go with the voice of the people. I'll drop out. So he dropped out, and it was Pahoran and Penanchi who were the ones that were contending for the, the judgment seat. And so this turned into a pretty, uh, what is the word, murderous plot to overthrow the, com- uh, the government by Penanchi because Pahoran it was looking like Pahoran was going to get the judgment seat. And Penanchi was very upset, very wroth is what it said. And I'm sorry, there's an airplane going, or a helicopter over my head. Sorry about that. Just a second. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so Penanchi was very angry. And therefore, he was about to flatter away those people and rise up in rebellion against their brethren. So he was fueling the flames. He was, he was fanning the flames. He was trying to get everybody worked up that was following him so that they could overthrow the voice of the people. I mean, for real, this is happening right now. <laughs> It's just amazing to me. And it came to pass that as he was about to do this, behold, he was taken and he was tried according to the voice of the people and condemned unto death. For he had raised up in rebellion and sought to destroy the liberty of the people. There was an attack on the liberty of the people. They clearly saw it. And they don't mess around. Back then it was like, okay, you're trying to overthrow the government. You're going to be put to death. That's not how we do things. So 
in verse 9, now when those people who were desirous that he should be their governor saw that he was condemned unto death, therefore they were angry, and behold, they sent forth one Kishkumen, even to the judgment seat of Pahoran, and murdered Pahoran as he sat upon the judgment seat. So they send in Kishkumen, and he was disguised. Nobody knew who he was, and he came into the judgment seat, and he murdered Pahoran right then and there on the judgment seat. And then he went back. He was too fast. He went back to the, the band of criminals that um, conspired to do this with him, and they all entered a pact to never divulge who killed Pahoran. So they went into a secret combination and they were going to live and die by this oath. Some of them were captured and the ones that were captured were put to death. And do you think they ratted each other out? No, they did not. They did not. Back then, it was like, your word is your bond. If you make a bond and a pact, you are going to live and die by that. And so you'd think that if you were going to jail and condemned to death, that you would be like, no, I'm taking some people down with me. If I'm going to die, then they're going to die too. But they did not. They did not see it that way. Uh, The ones that were caught were put to death and the others were free. And they mingled among the people. They because Kishkumen was in disguise. And so nobody knew they were just hiding, hiding among the people. And, um, let's see what I have here in my notes. Okay. So Pikumenai then was made chief judge over the land. And that was his right. He was the next in line. So he, was going to be running things from that point on. Um, There was one, and I don't want to mispronounce his name, but he was the king of the Lamanites, Tabaloth. Tabaloth. And you know what? Forgive me if that's the wrong name. But uh, he was the king of the Lamanites, and he decided to put someone named Coriantumr in as captain of the Lamanite army. Coriantumr, what did he have that was beneficial? He used to be a descendant of the Nephites. And so he knew Zarahemla. He, that was his city. He grew up there. And when I talk about a dissenter, he was a descendant of the Nephites. And so that, that gave him a one-up. He was large and he was mighty and he was smart. He was wise. So Tabaloth thought that this was a good idea to make him the captain of the Lamanites. You know, back then power was everything. It's like, couldn't they just not fight? Why did they always have to be fighting? Why did the Lamanites always have to be fighting? And it's not always. So actually, I'm going to take my words back. But right at this point in time, they were. They wanted to fight for land and possessions. Um, Anyways, so 
Let me read you in 17. Therefore, he did stir them up to anger, and he did, he did gather together his armies, and he did appoint Coriantumr to be their leader, and he did cause that they should march down to the land of Zarahemla to battle against the Nephites. Okay, get this. It came to pass that because of so much contention and so much difficulty in the government that they had not kept sufficient guards in the land of Zarahemla, for they had supposed that the Lamanites durst not come into the heart of their lands to attack that great city of Zarahemla. So they pretty much left the most vulnerable, most important part of the city unguarded. Who does that? They were so distracted with the difficulty that was going on in the government that they didn't even realize that they were going to be attacked in their main big homeland of Zarahemla. They they were so distracted. You know, as I was going through church today, um, we just watched it online. Um, I noticed, and the the gentleman that was teaching taught about the importance of not being distracted, and how often are we just sitting back and letting things pass us by without being aware and con- conscious of what's going on around us and opening our eyes. You know, there are a lot of people who don't want to talk about what's going on in the world today. Um, I have many friends that would rather not keep up on the news and I can understand because it can get super overwhelming that it influences your spirit And then you're just bogged down and depressed. But I feel really passionate about keeping our eyes open and aware. 